Hi, welcome to Living Water Bible Fellowship's audio sermons. It's our prayer and hope that you'll be encouraged and uplifted by the preaching of God's Word. Stick around after the message to hear more about how to contact us. Well, amen. Please open your Bibles to Gospel of Matthew, chapter 6. Gospel of Matthew, chapter 6. We are in verse 13. Gospel of Matthew, chapter 6, verse 13. And what, what a great song leading into this petition. We come to the last of the, the six petitions of the Lord's Prayer today. We study it so we can pray it and live it out. But that last song, you're my portion. You're my salvation. What a, what a great prayer. What a great truth. That God is what we need. God is what we have. God is with us. And man, you start thinking about that song and how beautiful and how wonderful that prayer is. And it fits so perfectly with, uh, good job Luke picking out that song, with this, this petition that we're going to study today. We come, as, as, as I said, we, for the last seven weeks we've been studying the Lord's Prayer. And, and what a gift. What, what a gift to us that we have God's words. God's words on how to approach the Father. That we've been given the words of Jesus that we could use to approach our God. And, and uh, the, the petitions we've gone through, they're so deep and they're so rich. They're, they're, they're weighty and they, they can carry our, our hearts. They can carry our souls. They can carry our prayers, our petitions. We, we come to this last one and, and look at verse 13. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Uh, Jesus' words and, and uh, you know, coming to the Father with His words means they're going to be heard. And so he's, he's teaching us to pray this prayer, these, these petitions, in such a way that we can come with confidence and assurance that when we pray these prayers, they're heard. Uh, this, this petition is, is a little bit confusing at, at the beginning. And lead us not into temptation. Of course, the and is tied to the other petitions. We pray for bread, we pray for forgiveness, and we pray for God's protection. Uh, I'm going to start with the second half of this, this petition, but deliver us from evil. They're really uh, two sides of the same coin, but the second one seems a little bit clearer to people. Uh, but deliver us from evil. God rescue us, our Father in heaven, our Father who's near right now. Our great Father, who's always present with us, we ask you to deliver us, to rescue us from evil. Or some translations, they go ahead and they translate it, rescue us from the evil one. It's an acknowledgement that we live in a world where we are tempted. We live in a world of trial and tribulation. We live in a world where we aren't on neutral ground. We aren't in an easy place. We're not in a carefree paradise zone. The Scriptures tell us that we are in a battle. That we're under attack. That we're on war footing. That the enemy would like to destroy us and pull us away from our Father. And so Jesus starts very clearly, deliver us from evil. Uh, the, the simplicity of this prayer, the, the practicality of this prayer, it, it, it's obvious, but it needs to be said. Uh, think about your days. Think, think about your tomorrow. And think about how as Jesus teaches us to pray this every day, how it might apply in your life. 
uh, as you go to work tomorrow, deliver me from evil. <laughs> and you can imagine the things that have happened in previous work days. You can imagine the, the, the temptations that typically come your way. Uh, I, I, I think about people that in certain situations, they're constantly getting angry at work. Or they're constantly you know, letting their mouth go at work. Or, they're, they, 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 or they're, they're cursing at work, or, or the things that come up. Your situation is you go tomorrow, deliver me from evil. It's a practical, real prayer. Uh, deliver me from the evil. You know, praying for our kids, Lord, my, my kids tomorrow are going to go into school, and they might be tempted here. The, the, the world is saying, live this way. The world is saying, act that way. The world is saying, this is normal, this is natural. Lord, protect my kids from evil. Protect them from the evil one, the things that they're going to face tomorrow. And you start thinking about all the ways this prayer can be prayed every day in all the different situations. It's a powerful prayer, and it's powerful in the sense that Jesus is teaching us to pray it because He knows the Father loves to answer it. Rescue me from the evil one, Lord. And so maybe this is something you say in the morning, or maybe before you go to bed at night, tomorrow, Lord, please rescue me. The enemy is like a, a lion on the prowl. Tomorrow I know he's going to come and try to devour me. He's going to try to pull me away from my Jesus. He's going to try to teach me that I don't need the Lord. He's going to use the world's entice, enticements. He's going to use my sinful nature, my flesh, and, and he's going to encourage me to walk away from my Jesus. Deliver me, Lord. Rest. And, and the word there, it kind of means snatch away. Grab me away from that thinking. Grab me away from that worldview. Gra grab me away from that, that, that attack. I need it. Uh, maybe tomorrow you'll have to pray this prayer 17 times. What's going to come tomorrow? Again, you're not on neutral ground. I think often in our days, we go through our days and, and we're like, we just do our thing. We, we go to work. We pay the bills. We feed the family. We feed the animals. You know, you, you do the chores or whatever. But, but all the while, temptation's coming to be angry at somebody, to slander somebody, to uh, deceive, to, to grasp a hold of something that isn't mine. Lord, I need your rescue right now. I, I need your help right now, Lord. It's a, it's a daily prayer, but it can be an hourly prayer as needed. And how does God answer this prayer? I, I think He gives us power to overcome our temptation. He gives us common sense. Uh, one of the, the writers I was reading this week, God gives us great common sense to run away from situations that we know will lead to ruin. To leave those situations that we know are destructive and hurtful. Uh, and so, uh, the, the master teacher, uh, again, we come to this prayer, and Jesus is the master of prayer. Jesus knows everything there is to know about prayer. He knows everything there is to know about being in relationship to the Father. Uh, the, the master teacher comes and he says, this is how you should pray, because he knows when we pray this daily, he knows it's going to affect our, psycholo our, our psychology, our, our thinking, our, our cognitive uh, processes. He knows if we get this, this prayer in our mind constantly, he knows that as things come along, 
we are going to start looking for situations and scenarios that we're going to start being cognizant and aware of the way that the enemy is attacking. And we'll start, in practice, start looking around and saying, that's a temptation. My desire is for that. The devil's encouraging that. And, and so we, we learn, uh, again, the blessing of, of saying the Lord's Prayer every day, of going through these petitions in our own words, in our own style, however you want to say it. The blessing is that we're taught to think as God would think. And, and so we, we learn to flee. You know, if I'm praying every morning for, oh, rescue me from, from temptation, rescue me from evil, I'll learn to flee from evil. Have you noticed how certain sins seem to be besetting? How in your life, in my life, in people's lives, people continue to stumble in certain ways and not live unrighteously uh, in certain ways commonly? And, and sometimes I wonder, uh, why do you keep going back in that situation? Why do you keep putting yourself in that situation again? Uh, sometimes we can't help it. We we're in a workplace where we are confronted with it and we can't escape it. But as far as it depends on us, these prayers are, are prayed to God. And, and just as we say, oh, oh God, uh, uh, may your kingdom come upon us. You know, asking for his rule to come upon us. When I pray that, I'm, I'm, I'm saying something like, God, may your rule come upon me and may I participate in your rule. May I do your will. And so something like this, when we, when we pray, deliver us from temptation, uh, rescue us from, from the evil one. We're saying, man, I am going to personally remove myself from that evil. I'm going to personally flee from that. There's no shame in fleeing and running away from temptation. And so we work together with God in this. He answers that prayer by giving us common sense, making us aware of situations that we need to run from, and giving us the power to overcome the devil and his lies and his temptations. There's a story about little Bobby who was saving up for a bike. Saved every nickel. Saved every dime. Saved every quarter. He wanted that bike so bad. He got down on his knees. Got right by his bedside there. And he, and he prayed to God. God, please let me save my money for this bike. And Father, please don't let the ice cream man come down my street again tomorrow. Bobby needed to learn to flee temptation. Prayed for God's deliverance, prayed for God's help, prayed for God's power, and then he needed to run from the enemy, so to speak. You need to do that too. You need to come to God, and what is this an admission of? It's an admission of that I'm not very strong. It's an admission that in and of myself, I am weak. I need God's power to be rescued from the evil one. I need God's strength to say no to sin because my flesh, my sinful nature, sometimes wants that. The desires well up. The, the devil's working with my desires. The world's saying, do it, do it, do it. And so daily I come in and say, God, deliver me from evil. Are, are you praying any kind of prayers like this in your life right now? If not, why not? Are you strong? Can you handle the world's temptations? Can you handle the devil's attacks? 
Can you handle your flesh by your own strength and by your own power? No, we depend. God, you're my portion. You're my salvation. Hallelujah. I'm depending on you, Holy Spirit, to help me through this trial, this tribulation, this temptation. So that first part, uh, the second part of that prayer, it's, you know, it's pretty straightforward. Um, but often, unfortunately, we don't do it. And we fall into sin. We need to recognize that we, <laughs> we are called not to sin, but we're actually powerless in and of ourselves stand against sin. We need divine enablement and grace to say no to evil. So the first part of that prayer, this, this is where sometimes people get a little confused on and what does it mean? Lead us not into temptation. Does God tempt us? It's a prayer saying, lead us not into testing. Does God lead us into temptation or not? Well, we can answer that definitively. If you look at James, James chapter 1, verse 13. James chapter 1 says, verse 13, Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and He Himself tempts no one. God cannot be tempted by evil, he himself tempts no one. So when temptation comes, God, why are you tempting? You, you don't want to say that. That's not true. But we live in a world where every one of us will be tempted. The world in its values, in its passions, in its desires, brings before us our society, our culture. It's unescapable. It's unavoidable that, that temptation to sin, to do what's wrong, will come before us because our culture is always saying, do it. Don't do it. God says, do what you want. Do your desires. Do your passions. It's all about you. And we have an enemy who's on the attack, who wants to pull us away from dependence upon God. He wants us to live independently of God. He wants us to try to live by our own power and our own energies and our own strengths. He wants us to sin. We will be tempted. And God allows temptation. To understand this prayer, lead us not into temptation, I think we need to look a little bit deeper, try to understand what's happening here. The perspective of how Jesus, why Jesus teaches us to pray this. If you look at Matthew chapter 4, turn to Matthew chapter 4, verse 1. This is after Jesus' baptism. The Father said to Jesus at His baptism, This is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. So this, the, the, the context of, of Matthew here is the Old Testament. Israel was called the Son of God. The context of the Old Testament, we saw again and again that Israel failed to be the Son of God to live in trust and reliance upon the Father. Israel failed again and again to do what God wanted, to be the light of the world, to bring people to the Father through the nation of Israel. And so it's very, very, uh, very important when we come to Jesus' baptism, we see that Jesus is 
being presented as the true Son of God. This is my beloved Son. And when we come to Him being tempted, the question is, will He be like Israel and fall and fail and not depend on God and not keep the mission? Or will He be the true Son who fulfills the mission by depending and relying upon the Spirit of God guiding Him through the wilderness? Uh, chapter 4, verse 1, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Uh, we, we pause right there and we say that temptation is not sin. Uh, just because you're tempted, it, it doesn't feel good, of course. It, it, you know, you feel kind of shameful or dirty about it, but it's not sin. Jesus was tempted. He was tempted much more than you ever have been tempted. God led Jesus into what you know a wilderness is. It's a, it's, a, it's a place of exhaustion. It's a place of loneliness. A wilderness is a place of trial and tribulation. God was bringing Jesus into the wilderness. He fasted for 40 days. He was weak, physically weak. That's when the devil came. After fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. The answer is written, The man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Uh, Jesus, how does, uh, James 4, 7 says, Submit to God. And it's, it, that, that's a great summary of our call as a Christian life. A Christian person. Submit to God. Deny yourself. Pick up your cross and follow me. That's submission saying, I'm yours. I surrender to you. Uh, James 4, 7 says, Submit to God and resist the devil. How does Jesus resist the devil here? He quotes Scripture. He speaks the Word of God. Uh, the, and what's the devil trying to do? Uh, Jesus is hungry. His emotions are frayed. He's in the wilderness. He, you've been frayed. You've been wiped out. You've been tired. When you're exhausted, it's so easy to sin, to give in to those desires. Jesus is in the wilderness. He's, he's, been, he's been fasting and, and He's weak. The devil says, Why should you depend on God? Why should you wait on God to be your deliverer? Why should you be, depend on God for Him to be your portion? You can do it yourself. Make this stone into bread and eat. Satisfy yourself. That's what our culture preaches to us again and again. Satisfy yourself outside of God. Satisfy yourself apart from God. Make it all about you. Eat. Live for self. Make it happen. And Jesus says, no, I, I'm not going to depart from the God's will. I'm not going to stop depending on God. He's my provider. He's my portion. He's going to give me food in the wilderness. I'm going to wait for Him. The Word of God is what I feed on. You see, you see what the devil's trying to do to you through this? Uh, we, we, put, we extrapolate. We say, how does the devil work? He, he's trying to make you live apart from God. He, he's, he's trying to trick you and deceive you into saying, I don't need God. I can do it myself. And Jesus will have none of that. And so he moves on. The, then the devil comes to him in verse 5. The devil took him to the holy city and set him on a pinnacle of the temple. The, the Herod's temple that, that he built up. Uh, the estimates about 180 feet, 180 feet high at, at the pinnacle there. And said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down. For it is written, He will command His angels concerning you, 
and on their hands they will bear you up lest you strike your foot against a stone. Uh, there was a, a tradition based on Malachi 3. Remember Malachi 3.1, when the Lord you are seeking will come to his temple. Uh, some of the rabbinical traditions, say, they, they believe that one day when Messiah would show up, when Yahweh would show up, when the Lord would show up, he would appear from the sky and come down in front of the temple. And so this could be, it could be pertaining to that tradition where the devil's saying, Hey, Jesus, why are you waiting on God? You need to vindicate yourself. Show the people who you are. You're Messiah. Make God prove that He loves you. Make God prove that you are the glorious one that He says you are. Okay? So, so the first one is kind of the, the lust of the flesh from, from 1 John uh, 2.16. The first one is kind of lust, lust of the flesh, like satisfy your needs, your desires. The second one is the pride of life, the boasting of what He has and does. Like, apart from God, vindicate yourself. Show the world who you are. Come up on the temple, and, and when they see you caught by angels, they'll know you're Messiah. Why wait for God? Why go to the cross? You can be glorified now. Right? And the devil comes to us that way as well. <laughs> he says, why do you trust in God? Grasp a hold of things for yourself. Why do you need to wait on God and, and be patient for Him to lift you up? Why believe that Scripture says, those who humble themselves will be lifted up? You can have it now. Your glory, your fame. Right? And, and we fall for it. We, we, we fall for it again and again. But, but Jesus has nothing to do with that. He says in verse 7, Jesus says, Again it is written, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Trust Him, in other words. Don't test God. Trust His Word. Trust His promises. Believe what He says and wait on the Lord. So Jesus is being tempted in incredible ways. Uh, and it continues in verse 8. Again, the devil took Him to a very high mountain and showed Him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. He said to him, All these I give you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, Be gone, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and Him only shall you serve. Okay, so, so uh, the, the third party is appealing, appealing to the lust of the eyes. Look, you could have all this. You know, Satan, uh, the God of this age, the prince of the power of the air, um, the one who, the ruler of this age, uh, says, "Hey, I'll, I'll give you this if you just, if you just worship me." And what he's saying there subtly is, "You don't have to go to the cross. The Father promised that everything would be under your feet, right? The Father promised that, that promised that all, that you'd be the ruler of all. But you can bypass that. You don't have to follow the Father's will." You can just worship me, bow down, and I'll give it all to you right now. You don't have to suffer. You don't have to go through trial or tribulation. And again, God, the, God, God's promised Jesus that He would take care of Him. Just as He promised Israel in the wilderness, I'm going to give you manna, I'm going to watch over you, I'm going to protect you. But Israel would not have anything to do with that. They wanted their security. They, they didn't trust God. They made their own gods. They did all the things that they shouldn't have done. And, and Satan comes, I got the Son of God, Israel, before, and I'm going to get you. He's appealing to the lust of the eyes. And don't you, don't you deserve this? You don't deserve the cross. You don't need to suffer for God. You can have it all now. If you but worship me, and Jesus says, no way. 
Worship the Lord your God only. Serve Him only, is what the Scripture says. Uh, it was such an intense trial that angels had to come and minister to him in verse 11 after the account, after the events. Uh, so Jesus was led into the wilderness. He was allowed by the Father to be tempted by the devil. And certainly when you go back to Matthew 6, verse 13, and it says lead us not into temptation, we can understand that Jesus, knowing what He went through, what he, what, what the trial, the tribulation, the suffering that He went through there, he's, he's saying, yeah, you should ask God not to be put to the test. You, you should ask, I, I, I ask you to pray every day, Jesus is saying to the disciples, that you would not be led into such temptation that I was led into. Um, but it, it is not a prayer. It is not a prayer suggesting that we not be tempted ever, because that's impossible. In fact, God uses temptations and trials and testing. Uh, some people, as they look at this, they understand that it can be translated a little bit differently. Lead us not into testing. Don't put us to the test, Father. Uh, but, we, but we know that uh, God does test, doesn't He? You remember what happened to Abraham? Probably the most famous test in the Bible. Look at Genesis 22. Look at Genesis 22. Verse 1. It's not that God doesn't allow temptation. It's not that He doesn't test. But we're praying that we don't be put to the test in such a degree that we will fall. Chapter 22, verse, verse 1. After these things, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, and he said, Here I am. He said, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to Moriah and offer him there the burnt, as a burnt offering on the, one of the mountains of which I, was, I will tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled the donkey, and took two of his young men with him and his, and his son Isaac. And he cut wood for the burnt offering and rose and went to the place in which God had told him. On, on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. Then Abraham said to his, his, to his young men, stay here with the donkey. I and the boy will go over there and worship and, and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood and the, and the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son. And he took in his hand the fire and the knife. So they went, both of them together. And Isaac said to his father Abraham, My father, here I am my son. He said, Behold, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham said, God will provide himself the lamb for, the burnt, for a burnt offering, my son. So they both went together. When they had come to the place which God had told them, Abraham built the altar there and laid the wood in order, in order and bound Isaac his son and laid on the altar on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here I am. Do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For, I now, for now I know that you fear God, seeing that you have not withheld your son your only son for me. 
And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him was a ram caught in the thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son, a picture of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So Abraham called the name of that place, The Lord will provide, as it said to this day, On the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. And we learned in communion today that the Lord has provided for our salvation by providing His own Son as a sacrifice for our sins. Praise God. But we see here that Abraham is tested. And what is the test? Abraham was promised that through his son there would be nations. Through his son, there'd be the nations of the world would be blessed. Through his, his son, he, he, he would have offspring, as, as, as many as the, the stars in the heaven, the sand on the seashore. The test is, Abraham, how much do you trust me? How much do you believe in the promise? God had no intention of letting Abraham kill Isaac. But Abraham didn't know that. And so he, he's come to the test and, and he proved, he passed the test. Hebrews 11.19 basically says that Abraham reckoned or he reasoned that God could raise Isaac from the dead and still keep his promises. <laughs> and so Abraham was going to go through with it because he trusted God's promise. And so the test verified his faith. The test, you can imagine after that how encouraged, was, how encouraged Abraham was to continue following God no matter what. The test validated, verified, strengthened his faith. God certainly tests. We, we know that from James chapter 1. James chapter 1, verse 2. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you're never tested. Uh, no, it's not what it's... Count it all joy, my brothers and sisters, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. Let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Uh, God allows temptations. God brings testings. <laughs> Love the cowboy boots on the floor. God allows temptations. God brings testings. The prayer of lead me not into temptation not saying, keep me from testings. Keep me from temptations because we know that God uses these things for good ends. Now, it's, it's a beautiful prayer. It's an awesome prayer that God answers. Our Father answers. When we ask Him to keep us from trials, how many times has He kept us from trials? How many times has He kept us from temptation? How many times has He, has he protected us? He loves to answer it, but there's certain times when we know that testing is ultimately for our good. And we know that He allows temptation and, and the evil one to attack because ultimately it's going to be for our good. But this prayer of lead us not into temptation, <laughs> it's God, I don't want to fall. 
God, I don't want to fail you. I don't want to be that person that gives up on you because the pressure is too great. I don't want to be that person that leaves you because I can't handle it. Lord, don't put me into such a trial that I'm going to fall because I admit I'm weak. I admit I can't handle a lot of pressure. My track record isn't great of standing in the fire. Lord, lead me not into a position. Don't allow me to be put in a position where I'm going to sin against you. I'm going to fall away from you. James is telling us something amazing. He says that when trials come, when temptation comes, when evil comes our way, it means that God has allowed it. And that God is going to use it in such a fashion that it produces steadfastness. Steadfastness will have its effect that we may become perfect and complete in our faith, lacking nothing. When trials come into your life, as they surely will, as they surely have, maybe you're going through one right now, James tells us to make the conscious decision to count it as joy. Because Almighty God is working in your life right now for your good. That the Lord who's in control of all things has allowed Satan to come. He's allowed temptation to come. He's allowed trial to come in your life because He knows ultimately it's going to be for your good end and your good outcome. Your fire, your faith has to be placed under fire. It's put on the anvil. It's put, put in the crucible to, to melt away the impurities and burn out and, and hammer out the things that are unnecessary in your life. Purifying your faith is a wonderful act of God. It's a grace of God. When you have a validated faith, when you have a strengthened faith, when you have a strong faith, when you've worked your way through trials and tribulations, when you've made your way through these things and you've seen Almighty God act, you've seen His faithfulness, you've seen Him answer prayer, your faith becomes resilient and strong just as Abraham's became resilient and strong. Praise God for that. But Jesus, Jesus is saying for us to pray every day, Oh God, let me not be put in such a situation. Lead me not into such a temptation. I'm going to fall away from you. It's a recognition that trials, financial problems, illnesses, kids getting sick or kids walking away from the Lord the job difficulties that you have, the relational uh, struggles that you have. It's an acknowledgement, it's a realization that these trials place us in a position where our temptation is heightened. And it's a dangerous place in one fashion, in one sense. And so we're asking the Lord God Almighty, Lord, uh, because you know that I am weak, because you know that in my strength, in my power, I, I don't have the ability to follow you and obey you as I should. Lord, keep me from that temptation, that trial that is way too strong for me because I want to be your worshiper. 
I want to be faithful to you. I want to obey you. I want to glorify you with my life. Lead me not into temptation, Lord, but deliver me from evil. Fox's uh, Book of Martyrs tells the story of two men that lived during the days of Bloody Mary. Mary, Queen of England. Both men had been condemned to be burned at the stake. One of the men, before the other prisoners, boasted. He, he, he boasted that he would certainly not deny Christ when his time of doom came. He was so confident in his abilities that there was, he felt like he was so sure of the gospel that there was no way that if he was given the opportunity to recant, he, that he would. He started talking about himself before the men in pious terms, uh, saying, I'm like a bride being prepared for the wedding, and, and he meant death in relationship with Christ. Bragging and boasting of, of, his, of his strength and his might. But his companion... Although he did not want to deny Christ, he wanted to stay true to Christ as well, he admitted that he was afraid of the fire. He shared with his fellow prisoners that he had always been sensitive to suffering. He dreaded the idea of the flame approaching his body because he felt like he would cry out and recant and deny his Lord. And so he asked the other prisoners to pray for him, and he spent his remaining days in weakness, crying out for God's strength. They came to the stake, and the one who had been so bold the first sight of the flame, he recanted, denied Christ. They released him, but he, he never returned to Jesus. The trembling one, he stood solid as a rock. praising and magnifying the Lord Jesus even as He died a cruel yet brave death. As He was dying, He was praying, lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from evil. He had His Christ. The Messiah was His. Brothers and sisters, let us pray the words of the Master of Prayer. Let us not scarf at this or, 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 or look upon it as ah, just another thing to do. Let us receive this teaching on prayer and live it. 
God has given us words to use. Just use them. Let us go before our Father daily. Let us go before the One whose presence in the highest heaven, the third heaven, the One who is present in the second heaven, the sky. Let us go before the One who's with us, our Father in heaven, the One who's present to us always, and pray. Pray for His glory. Pray for our needs. Let us be a people of prayer. Please stand in the Lord's presence. Jesus, your, uh, your love is so practical. You did what was needed on the cross for us. You provided for every need. Everything we need for life and godliness is found in your word. You've given us what we need to, to live, to please the Father, to, to live, to thrive in this world. And even you've been so practical and you're so loving and you're so gracious to us that you've given us a prayer outline, a prayer pattern, a, a way to walk with, with the Father. Lord God, we, we uh, in our consumerism, in our, in our way of looking at this life, we don't really like to be told what to do. We admit that, Lord. And yet you've given us this gift on how to live and how to pray and how to be in communion with you on a daily basis. And so, Lord, we ask that you give us the grace to swallow our pride, to get rid of our stubbornness, to choose to pray in the way that you've commanded us to pray. And, Lord, we ask as we submit to your way and not our way, that, Lord, through these prayers that we come before you every day with, that you'd be glorified, magnified, and we'd be changed, and we'd be transformed. And, Lord, if you answer these prayers, or when you answer these prayers, how different our life would be, how different our world would be. May it be, Lord. Lord, hallowed be your name. May your kingdom come. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, give us our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we've forgiven our debtors. Lord, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the glory and the power forevermore. Be magnified by your church. Make us a church of prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for listening. The gospel according to the Bible is that Jesus Christ, who was and is the eternal God, took on human flesh, was born of a virgin, died for our sins on the cross, and rose from the dead three days later. He then ascended to the Father's right hand, where he sits making intercession for his people. And right now, he is establishing the kingdom of God on earth. You can enter into a saving relationship with God by repenting of your sins and placing your full trust in Jesus' life, his death and resurrection on your behalf. In Christ, you will find forgiveness, acceptance, freedom, peace, 
hope, and a future. If you would like more information about Christianity or Living Water Bible Fellowship, visit our website at livingwateralamosa.org. God bless.